Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show. Today we have a very funny and talented guest, and that is because we have Caleb Presley in on the show. My friend, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Buster? I'm doing good. I sort of broke the uh, the rule when introducing somebody funny to call them funny beforehand because now it's way too much pressure. Way too much. I should have said the unfunny Caleb Presley, so you yeah, can yeah. exceed all expectations off the I'm bat. I'm gonna try to pivot. I'm gonna go the other way with it, just so make sure people know that they they recognize your fuck up. They know not to ever do that in their personal lives. How bad it can go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted to thank you for coming on. A, because I was right before this, I was able to watch 45 minutes of your content and call it work. <laughs> and, that's, and that's that's always something great that I can self-justify. I was w- just watching some of your Instagram interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one, I don't know what college you did it at, but it was with uh it was a guy named Trevor or something like that. Uh, it was in December, and you were you oh were, the guy from Texas that he's a thought, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You were interviewing him about his inner collegiate dynamic with his friends and how he always wanted to be around girls. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think was, you know, you're sitting there so close up to these people when you're interviewing them, asking them the most ridiculous things. How do you not crack up, or are those just the outtakes? I think it just, I just think it's how built. That's the number one question. Like if someone's going to ask me a question, that's what they say. Like, how do you not laugh? I'm like, dude, it just doesn't occur to me to laugh. It's just how I'm built. Like just how my mind is. I don't know. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. Me and my cousins used to like run up on, it was like, we go to like Myrtle beach for the summer. And me and my cousins, like my age, like one of the things we would do is like, they would have me run up to like, you know like a, a group of people or like a random guy in the sidewalk and then just kind of like just basically fuck with them uh when i was a little kid it's just something i've always thought was fun i've always liked to see how people react like real reactions from people when they're put in weird spots is like the funniest humor to me i like, like i watched Step Brothers last night like that's one of the funniest movies of all time like and i love that comedy too but the funniest things to me are when people are really live real reactions and you get to see how people really are it just crushes me it has my whole life dude it's funny too because i feel like the way that media is going right now is people are just desperate for authenticity too and there's no better way to guarantee authenticity than people being uncomfortable yeah put them in this tough spot they don't know they're being recorded i mean you can it's hard to do that now like like uh hidden cam shows you can still do but you know, when I first started working at Barstool, we could kind of do whatever we wanted. We didn't really need releases, anything like that. All that has completely changed. I don't know if it's the times that have changed or Barstool's got way more legitimate where it's like a chance that we could actually be sued. But back in the day, people were wasting <laughs> their own money trying to sue us, you know. But right. um, yeah, it's like hard to do that kind of stuff. But when you can get it, it's funny. Damn. Now, for something like like that example, you know, you said you filmed at Texas. How do you prep for something like that? Because it's not a normal interview. There's no, there's no research to be done. There are no articles written about these kids at this college. Are you just talking to people around them and then you know figuring out that storyline and how to attack it? Or are you just going off the whim because it seemed like you're obviously just naturally good at it? I mean, it's always like, I always go into it. We're not making a video about just anything and seeing what it turns into. Like I'll go down there for example, the Texas one, I was trying to find basically the biggest human man thought I possibly could. 
<laughs> I thought going into it, I was like, all right. Cause I, I, and I just base everything on my own experiences. I went to North Carolina for school at Chapel Hill. Right. I had a lot of like, I was there for four years. I had a lot of uh, experiences in college. I kind of, I met a lot of the quote unquote stereotypes that you might meet. And then I was in a lot of the situations that you would be in if you were in college. I mean, I just lived it. So I can kind of recall my own experiences. And then I like, you know, I've met that guy before. I know that guy. It wasn't the guy you saw in the video, but like, I know that guy from college. So, <laughs> there are lots of them. Right. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go down there and just like, and I'm going to ask him what, you know, what I would want to ask that guy. And then, you know, we have a great team of people at Barcelona. We have, it's called our Viceroy program. And basically like anyone who's like been in college, you might've seen a, a barstool profile that's associated with your school. So say you go to Kansas or say you go to Texas, well, there's going to be a barstool Kansas or a barstool Texas. Um, and it's something we call a viceroy program where there's kids. So we don't have like people in our headquarters in New York city or people who are full-time employees running those profiles for us. In fact, it's just unpaid uh, and not even interns. I think it's just unpaid kids who are willing to try to, you know, kind of try their hand at what it would be like to run a social media account. But then the ones that are successful. So basically what they're told is to curate a page of things that you think are funny about your school, you know, basically and try to build engagement with that uses kind of the, the Barstool brand, but also like is directly relative to your school, your location. It's been, it's good for me because when I do go to a school, I can, you know, hit up a guy who's running a, a Barstool, Texas, or a girl who's running a Barstool, Kansas, and be like, hey, like, uh, would you mind putting out on your page that I'm coming? And if, if anyone knows this type of person to, to DM me and, and tell me about them. So then I can kind of, I can yeah. filter through, and it's not to me, they usually send it to my producer, and then my producer will go through and she'll find, shout out Kelsey Shaver, who's my producer, and she'll go and she'll find uh, the ones that she thinks I would like best because she knows me pretty well. And then she'll send me kind of the finalists and then I will be able to, uh, from then I'll hit up people, but Hey, well, you were making this video or interested in making it. And then that's how I find the candidates. But then also the other piece about the Viceroy program, that's really good is the ones who do a good job running the Viceroy program. It's like the easiest way, um, statistically speaking, the best way and easiest way to get hired at Barstool, because that's how we take in most of our new hires are people who were in college, and they did really, really well um, handling their their Viceroy page. And it's like the proof is in the pudding. You can already see that they're capable of handling social media and they have a you know eye for it. Because everyone has always hit me up. How do I get a job at Barcelona or hire me or whatever? Like, what do I do? And the sad truth is you gotta you gotta make content or you gotta do, you have to already be doing what you want to do. So yeah, if you want to make videos at Barstool, then you better have already be making videos. Like I'm not, they're not, I, not that I'm the one who gets to hire, but Dave and the people who do hire, they're not going to hire you based on your word saying that you would be good at it. You have to have, of course, nor, nor should they. There's a classic saying that I love action creates traction, you know, mm -hmm. and that yeah. that's applicable here and everywhere else. You got to, right. you know, there they they say it's like you know you always want to be a step above you know like you your words is one step then a resume is another step then actually doing it is another step and then proving you can do it for the person is the best step right that's gonna get you in there now yep. you've been a barstool since the very beginning when you were when you were first jumping on what what did you think it was what did you think it could be yeah. and how has that changed over time 
So, I mean, to give, I got to give Dave and the, and other guys credit. They were, Dave had Barstool. I think he started, I want to say 2000, 2004 or 2008. It was, it was uh, quite a few years before I jumped on. Now, before I jumped on, it was a small group of guys who were doing it. It's, it's got a lot bigger. I think I was the 13th employee at Barstool. I think we have, I want to say over 250 now. It's something somewhere around there. So crazy. I was early. I wasn't, they were definitely doing it before me. I wasn't uh, on the ground, ground floor. But, you know, when I first heard about it, to be completely frank with you, uh, my first window into it was two things. One, the Barstow Blackout Tour, which I had some of my friends, which was basically an EDM concert series that Barstow was throwing all across the country. That was nuts. If you, it's it's a longer story than we probably have time to tell, but anyone who's interested, you have to look it up on YouTube. It was a crazy, like, before the days of, it was it was bef- really when EDM was really getting big and they were throwing these, these nuts concerts all across the country and making a lot of waves. They booked out in seconds every time. Like, you couldn't even get tickets to them. So I had heard about those. I had never been to one, but a lot of my friends had went to one and they told me how crazy it was. And I knew Barstool from that. And then also there was something called Barstool Smoke Shows, which back in the day, and there's still a Barstool Smoke Shows page, which basically just posts like hot girls from, you know, the, <laughs> that are, I mean, it's pretty much the, <laughs> that's all the um, <laughs> but they were doing that at the time. And it was kind of like a new Instagram was relatively new, or at least it wasn't as big as it is now. I think it was relatively new because I had just created a profile within like the last year or two from when I, they reached out, when Dave reached out, but um, you know, it was kind of a, the Instagram thought or the Instagram chick or whatever you want to call her, the one who put, basically poses half naked to get followers, whatever that's called model, whatever you want to call it. I'm okay <laughs> with whatever you want to call it. Um, that was, that was like a new thing, new phenomenon. And, uh, that you could just like elevate your status that quickly online, um, and not be a porn star. You could just be like a normal person, but also like have some type of like uh, horny fan base. And so Barstool kind of took advantage of that and they had the Barstool smoke shows, which they would post like every day on their profile. And my friends all had, but I was like, Hey, this guy from Barstool reached out. You guys ever heard of it? And they're like, you don't know Barstool smoke shows. They're like showing me all these, all these pictures. I'm like, I have no idea how this is. Like I should know Barstool smoke shows. Yeah. I mean, I followed it, uh, but I was like, I don't know exactly how this is going to end up relating to me. So I really didn't have any idea uh, at the time. I'm from the South. And Barstool was a Northeastern brand. It was Bar- it was Boston based, you know, and they were had just reached into Chicago and uh, New York. I guess Chicago's not Northeastern, but the majority of their followers were Northeastern. Right. And that's part of the reason why I think I was a maybe an you know, appealing candidate for a job is because I was from the South and hope hopefully was going to help bring them people, you know, from the South, bring them fans from the South, or you know, at least someone who understood what's popular where I was from. And uh, and that's kind of how I my entry point. That was my entry point. That's so crazy. And then to see sort of what it now is today, where it's you know one of the most globally recognized brands in the world. Mm. What what do you think is, you know, the future for something like Barstool? Do you see it being like a Netflix? Like what what do you what do you want to see it be? I think that the coolest thing about Barstool and what's made it so good. And, and, and so uh, relevant for such a long time, because you got to think about, you know, something that's cutting edge or something that's uh, controversial or something that is kind of new and risky or all of these things. It's, it's very, I would say, I'm not saying it's easy, but those are the type of things that can cut through the fastest. You know, if something's edgy, 
then it will cut through the noise the fastest and get on your radar. And that, that happens pretty often. Something new will come around. It's like, whoa, this is kind of out there, which is what Barstow was. But the thing that doesn't happen with those things, they don't have staying power most of the time. Right. You know, it, it's something that once it's over, it's hard to continue to build on that. What Dave has done that's so incredible, who I keep saying Dave, Dave is the founder of Barstow, for anyone who doesn't know, the guy who eats pizza on Instagram is how a lot of people know him. Uh, it's crazy what he's done is he's he's able to keep it a relevant brand for so long. I think it comes down to really, one, he does a really good job hiring people. He brings in people who are really, really talented and able to expand the brand just by them being themselves, but they, you know, they're, they're hired by Barstool and he, he's very hands-off. So, you know, for me, for example, like I'm, I'm more than happy to give Dave all the credit and to, to big him up because he's like a great boss. He's not in my hair. He's like, you know, he gives me every opportunity. He, he always is open to new ideas. So we bring in people like that who are, who want to build up the brand. And then Dave himself, I just call it what it is. I've said it before. I've told him to his face, like he just doesn't ever take his foot off the pedal. He never is complacent. And it just, we talked earlier about how that's just how my mind works is in terms of like, I would never laugh during an interview. It's just really not how my mind works. Like he just, that's just how his mind works. Like I would right. love to say it's like, He's not some type of like uh, motivation, reads motivational quotes in the morning, and like fires himself up. Like he just, <laughs> he literally just, he couldn't stop if he wanted to. Like he's the type of guy who's going to be doing probably media content and trying to be like relevant on social media well after he's uh, retired or well after he needs, needs the money or well after any point. That's just how he is. Like some people are just built different and that's just how Dave is. So he wakes up every day and he's like in the mix and like, you couldn't take that from him. He's already well past the point of uh, like needing the he money. Does, like he doesn't, he doesn't need really dollars. <laughs> like he, he could, he could walk away now and he'd be set. And that's just not in his DNA. Like even if something were happening with Barstool, if they kicked him out, like, you know, what Apple did Steve jobs back in the day, like Dave would build something else right away. It would be something else big. He doesn't need, he doesn't need the same things that would motivate him are not probably the same things that motivate the average person. I would say that. And that's so credit to him. That's why Barcel has been able to, between the people he's hired and just the way he's is set up, but he is, he's a controversial, not, he's not even controversial. He just says what he thinks and doesn't care. And so just those two qualities, I think have, have gave Barcel a lot of staying power and will probably will continue to do so until they do kick him out or something like that, some type of Apple situation. I don't know. No, it's it's true. There are two things that you said that were really interesting. A, um, when you know that type of content that is a little bit edgier, that is more likely to cut through the noise, you mentioned that that stuff doesn't really tend to last. Do you think that's because it naturally desensitizes an audience really quick? Like once you've seen it, you've seen it, and now it doesn't mean as much to you? Or do you think it's that more people aren't like, you know, Dave Portnoy in the sense of they can't keep their foot on the gas. What, why do you think that most of that type of content doesn't last? Yeah. Those people don't. Probably, probably a little desensitization. Did I say that? Desensitization? The point is there. <laughs> probably a little bit of that. And then also it's like, all right, so once you do something, it's like, all right, so what's next? Like what's bigger? And a lot of people have to, are in this one field or they, you know, they feel like, they're within the confines like Dave's a big football fan he's New England Patriots and 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 his rise the rise of the Patriots Super Bowls and his rise kind of happened at the same time and so he really used 
you know, and I was hired at this time, but I was watching it unfold. Like he's really using his favorite team and, and you know, the, the team of like kind of his main demographic, their success to boost up Barstool, whether it's, you know, content or whether it is selling merch or whatever it is. But then as soon as he needs to pivot or something else happens, pivot, then he's in, he's in entertainment or he's like with some TikTok guys or like, you know, now that Tom Brady's not with the Patriots anymore, they're probably not going to be winning for a while. Like Dave is in so many other worlds. He's in the uh, stock market world. Whenever that, whenever uh coronavirus happened and the hottest thing was the stock market, he's like, he's right. in that world. Now crypto's popping off. Like he's in, he finds himself with the Winklevoss twins. Like he just able to not necessarily train. He just can transition in and out of every genre because he knows who he is and he's like just himself. So it's, it's easy, I think, to do that if you are just not trying to play a character or you're not trying to, you know, be something you're not. If you're just transparent, authentic, which I do think is what relate everyone likes about Dave and what they like about Barstool. I think, you know, the most I would say pretty much everyone at Barstool kind of has that quality of they're kind of just themselves. Um, and it, that's it so to rare, them. too, like that. Nobody can overlook that. No right. other company is like that. Right. So, I mean, Dave's had like just multiple sex tapes come out, multiple, you know, controversies. It doesn't, it doesn't out in trouble. He's just himself and he's like, dude, and he's calls it real. He's like, let's call it what it is, dude. These, it's a, right. you know, for the sex tapes, like there's people having sex. It's like, you guys really going to cancel me for doing something you guys all do? And it's just like, everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. Nah, we're not. That makes it, it makes sense. <laughs> but it's like people he's like he just i think he appeals to like obviously he's funny but i think his like personality appeals to like just your logical brain too he calls things what they are and it's like yeah i guess that's true <laughs> for for your own personal brand though you know there's something that i always say where it's like the only brand that nobody has ever or will ever make an exit on is their personal brand because mm -hmm. you you're born with it you die with it nobody else right. can do it. you can do right. deals sure you know right, right. the way that people like Joe Rogan and Spotify, like the deals happen, but not over a lifetime. And your personal mind will always benefit you in more ways than just business. Right. So has, is that something that, you know, you think about often as you've grown and being able to contact and you yourself can dive into any world you want, you want mm -hmm. as long as it's authentic. I've seen you interview everybody from Gary Vaynerchuk to, you know, Floyd Mayweather to, right. The dude from Texas. Yeah. Uh, so you know you're you're able that that guy should be proud that he's in he's in that company. Um, but uh, you know being able to jump from those niches right. and it's because too and this isn't really even a question more of a statement but to add on to your point before uh, because it's authentic um, and people are desperate for that bro on social media the thing. The thing about Barstool, though, which has always been so incredible to me, is from being around before cancel culture mm -hmm. to being dominant during mm -hmm. to the inevitable after, which I think mm -hmm. we're sort of in now where everybody's just like sick of it all, yeah. um, to being even more dominant there, mm -hmm. you got to be for like the whole company from top, bottom, down, left, right, all the employees, every media member, you gotta be ferocious to be able to, you know, do that stuff, but also and be authentic, mm -hmm. uh, yet also not care because that's like, that's something that you, you've gotta have. Um, 
so do you do is that something you also think about in terms of like just not caring what anybody says and that being like what helps you have the success that you have i don't know dude i mean it's i think i just think for you watch how dave conducts himself or how we have another really uh, talented guy at the top of our company who really helps out uh, with everything for, uh, named Big Cat, who really like, you know, he's he's completely different than Dave and how he approaches things and how he deals with things. And even, you know, he's not as he's not a controversial figure. He's lovable. He kind of he's always rooting for the underdog type guy, like just a good guy. You just want to, you know, Midwestern Chicago guy. And that's kind of his personality, but that's who he is. Um, but even him, it's like when it does come time, people are and people come for Barca all the time. It's like it's not like no one's just no one's came for Barca to try to take us down. People come every day, try to take Barca down. But if you put in the years and years of a content and being, a, you know, people can watch you, whether it's a live stream or whether you're doing a daily podcast or a weekly podcast, or you're making videos all the time. It's like eventually you, you know your audience and your audience knows you you know, or your audience knows you is the better point. And so right. you can't, they know what it is. Like, it's not like some type of secret. It would be one thing if there was like, okay, uh, Barcelona's running some type of secret sex camp or something. It's like, whoa, we didn't know about this at all. Like this is oh, yeah, Everybody knows. That's but just like, point. yo, you guys said on a podcast, this and that. And everyone's like, yeah, well, we listen to the podcast and we understand in context and that this is a humor podcast and what they're saying and then what they said after the part of the clip you cut out we right. listened to it we heard it like we're not this is not going to work like we're not canceling barstool so i think that that's really the point is just our audience knows us and we have a big enough audience now where it's just i just don't think it's i don't think it could happen i just don't think it could happen not with the people they're very careful about you know the, the high i think they do a really good job hiring i don't think they're bringing in people who are going to like bring down the ship yeah, totally. I hope not. You know, I don't know. You never know. You never know. But I hope not. Now, if, if you could interview anybody from human history that's not around today, oh, are wow. there any names that stick out in terms of people who you'd love to have sit down <laughs> conversation with? Dead guys? Is that what you're talking guys. about? Yeah. I could interview going, a dead going guy. All the way back, you can pick Egyptian. Wow. Who, who do you want to talk to? Wow. Dead guy. Number one dead guy to interview. That's a hilarious question. I, I mean, um, I'd like to see you with Abraham Lincoln. I feel like that would be a great interview. <laughs> he'll bolster your, uh, I mean, dude, Steve Jobs would be a good one because he's so, the one, you're going to get these guys with intense personalities. Right. You know, he'll be a, he would be great. Abe Lincoln, I mean, you go through the list of these big time guys or girls. Hey, well, I would, I would be down to, to intermix with anybody. That's the other thing too, is like people be like, every once in a while I have someone, uh, set up for interview and I won't name names or anything like that, but people will approach me and be like, Hey, you know, this is a, uh, are you worried about doing this? Like he has some, you know, bad things that he's done or, or he has accusations about this or that, or he's, he's a, uh, you know, he's not a good guy. And I'm like, dude, I'm about to interview him. I'm not about to uh, be him, <laughs> be him or try to like up him and get him to be the president or whatever. Like, I'm just going to like interview him. Like, <laughs> I interview anybody, like as I long as you're not gonna murder me mid-interview, I'll interview, you know. <laughs> so right, you're like, so, I hope he tries to pull some of that stuff off during the interview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's never gonna be an endorsement of the person. I will go. I mean, I'm, there's always different situations. I'm not saying a blanket statement, but 
Like even, for example, Dave interviewed uh, Donald Trump and people were mad at him when Trump was so president. And Dave's like, yo, like, it's a president of the United States is asking me, like, to, I have an invitation to interview the president of the United States and you think I'm not going to, I'm in the content business. Like, right. We're trying to do numbers. It's not an endorsement. I, I, it doesn't matter who the president is or anything. Right. I would, interview, I would interview any politician, any, uh, if I had an opportunity to interview Trump, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like to this day, it would be a fire interview. That one might be my number one dead person. Does he count as dead since he can't be on any social medias? <laughs> like, that would be that- a hilarious, so funny interview. I don't care who you are. So, um, but that's a good question. I don't know. I swore you were going to say Kim Jong-un. <laughs> I would do him in a heartbeat. <laughs> I feel like great. I can guarantee you, if I can guarantee you Kim Jong-un won't murder you before, after, or during this interview, guaranteed, write it down, like he won't have me assassinated, nothing, then I'd do it in a heartbeat. I think, yeah. It's um, an interview, like, hey, right. dude, what are you doing? Why you, why you, why, why can't be on the internet? Right, you're not endorsing the Texas college thought guy. No, I didn't say that's the right way to live life. I just asked him a few questions. <laughs> that if is anything, I'm the one doing the right thing. Like, get to the bottom of this. What's going on here? Right. Because to interview somebody, especially if you're uh, you're not just like, it's all about the context of the conversation too. Like you can ask them questions without feeling any type of way just because you're trying to get answers. It's like, how are you supposed to learn what you think about somebody without talking to them? Right. That's why it's very difficult to judge people from online. A, because people only post what you want them to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, it's all the opposite of what, you know, you're talking about loving most, which is people in their natural, uncomfortable state. That's when you can tell like, all right, do I like this guy or do I not trust this guy? Or, you know, what do I think? I think you should host the presidential debate. I, think I would love to do that's what I, I think I would love <laughs> and I would treat it with the respect it deserves <laughs> which, is, which is none at all or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. no probably some probably probably more than it's getting now less than it has <laughs> yeah that would that would be crazy um now I mean like if if you you know how Jeff Bezos is going to space mm-hmm a what do you think about that and b imagine if you were the guy that was going with him and you got to interview him on the way up that would be it. that would be pretty hard to keep i wouldn't well, if bezos is definitely not gonna go though you don't think he's going not on the first trip are you serious you think he's gonna risk his life going on the first trip to space that's how that, we lose that's what he said he's doing no he said he's going on the first trip first one in like 20 days wait what yeah jeff is going to space he stepped down as amazon ceo to focus on blue origin and he himself with his brother are going on the first flight to space in like 20 days as of recording this podcast july 2021 um and yeah and they also charity auctioned off one other seat the whole flight's only nine minutes they're going to the edge of the atmosphere and back down and it's never happened. No one's ever done it before. Well, what do you mean? Nobody's ever done it. Like so I'm saying, Blue Origin hasn't done it with normal people. And so this is going to be like a new like theme park ride that you can sign up for if you have enough money and you go to space anytime. 
in theory, if you have like $50 million to throw away on 10 minutes, then yeah. I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like we've done it a million times. I would never think Jeff's going to be like be experimenting with his own mind, brain, body, and soul to do something we've never done before. I could see, yeah, I don't see anyone doing that, to be honest with you. Oh, but who knows? You know, Jeff is single now. I bet. I, I saw bet Jeff it, with some ladies in uh, Miami about a couple couple years ago now, but. Uh, did you really? Yeah, I was in, uh, it was a Super Bowl weekend and he was, uh, you know, they could have been business, I don't know, they were just female women, but uh, we were at, we were <laughs> at breakfast at the Faina Hotel. Um, he had like a brunch, a brunch spot and we just like looked over and was like, dude, is that? Got next to his table. I was like, is that Jeff Bezos? <laughs> it was. <laughs> he was like, Jeff Bezos. He was like with a security guard and like four chicks. I was like, dude, fire. That's, that's Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is that guy. Yeah, he might actually be. Wow. That's incredible. I'm How- thinking Bezos also, the just for the record, Bezos versus Musk. I'm I'm giving early, it seems like that's turning into quite a rivalry, whether Space it's race. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm t- I'm going, I'm team Jeff really yeah i don't like i don't like what i don't like what musk been up to recently with the crypto whatnot yeah man he needs to cut it out he needs to go to sleep earlier is what he needs to do Yeah, he's playing with lives dude like you can try to you can you need to stop you need to stay your hand out of the crypto markets my brother because <laughs> <laughs> you might have enough money to lose it all but we don't all you know <laughs> yeah, he like tweeted like tesla's overvalued in stock i like had a bunch of tesla that just like went down i'm like thanks dude Dude, it's it's the word. I mean, that's why the SEC exists. It's to prevent people like that. But when you have people that are that rich yet he doesn't care, can act like a child on Twitter to literally the world watching, dude, it, it gets real complicated. We've never seen anything like this before. Imagine if Lincoln was like, buy Remington stocks, like the big gun manufacturer at the time, like yeah. buy Remington stock. Nope, too overvalued. <laughs> Puts it out in the newspaper statement. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah it's it's. Uh, I think the SEC should hit him harder. He obviously did not learn his lesson at all. No, and the dude's tweeting like Miley Cyrus memes on Twitter that he's like. I mean, he seems like he's pretty funny. He seems like a good enough guy, but I just wish he would cut it out. Right. I I do like him as a person. It's just I hear you're frustrated, and everybody else too. Like people text me every day. They're like, "Yo, this guy is ruining." lies yes it's like dude you're not <laughs> for no reason normal people out here like that you're re- literally financially crippling <laughs> it's crazy you know that that doge run from 0.02 to 73 cents which he then you know okay with those people those people which i am not one though those people they have, they, no room to, they have no room to be mad because they owe him everything so he has the right if Elon Musk builds you up, he can tear you down. He's allowed to tear you down. Now, you could make the argument for Bitcoin because it really surged after he said Tesla added it to the balance sheet. And maybe it's a good argument to be had that because he he was responsible for that push. If he wants to break it down, he can. But, dude, once you bring down Bitcoin, that's like the big dog. Then all the other cryptos start going down. I'm a big holder of Asscoin. And, <laughs> and dude, once are you actually? Yeah, so once he goes that he he crushed Bitcoin, then all Asscoin, if Bitcoin goes down ten percent, Asscoin goes down twenty percent. So I'm so, like, dude, 
there's repercussions to your actions, brother. <laughs> so speaking of the speaking of these shit coins, how how did you find yourself on that one? Were you a fan of its utility, or did you like the sound of it? Where where did the? Uh... What do you think, Buster? Man, I think you did your due diligence research. <laughs> I think you spoke to your advisors, and yeah. I think that your advisory board, as yeah. well as you know, family and friends mm-hmm. told you that Ascoin was a decent Dude. investment. So you put a lot of money in. Yeah, no, it just made me laugh. So I was like, here, here's about everything I own. And I, uh, <laughs> I lost all my money in, uh, I lost all my money in 2017. Every dollar I had to my name, which wasn't a ton. So I'm not saying I lost you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that, but I lost everything I had to my name in 2017 off shit coins. And uh, it's in my Twitter bio. I plan on doing really. Yeah, I plan on losing everything I have in again to shitcoins. So <laughs> it's not that I want to do it; it's just like I know myself. Sometimes you just got to know yourself and call it what it is. My brain doesn't function on a high level. Like Bro, that. I think there needs to be like shitcoin rehabs. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't be able to be a part of it because I would be in it. I wouldn't even be able to help run it because I would literally be the client. I would be a client. Dude, I think you could have a huge business opening a shitcoin rehab. <laughs> like telling people like don't do it doesn't matter how funny it is doesn't matter how much it surged yesterday (laughs) yeah dude those man it's it's really hard to stay away from them the only i was in doge at one point although i have a bad doge story my doge story is uh and i can say this on the podcast i put a decent amount in i bought a million doge when it was at a third of a cent um and then when it went to two-thirds of a cent i was like let's go i'm out <laughs> i need double the money you can't ever do that and i didn't get back in but ten thousand would have turned into it it was like seven hundred and fifty thousand, and if i had held for two more weeks it was only two weeks between the time it's like a month but yeah more or less yeah I mean, that's how it goes. That's what happened to you with Ascoin. I was up big. I was up really big. We had a couple big days, a couple hundred percent, 200 percent days, and we had a 1200 percent day. And I I was like, wow, I'm sitting on a lot of ass right now. Always have been. But, you know, I got the coins now. And so <laughs> I, I got the like, bank to prove it. I was like, uh, all right, I could sell and make a substantial amount of money, more right. money than I probably ever deserved to make off Ascoins or I can see if there's one more 12,000% day, two more 12,000% days, a couple more huge months and be a multi-millionaire off ass coins and buy an ass yacht. And I chose the latter and it crashed because of Elon Musk. So that's why I'm team Jeff. Um, I see you. Jeff, Jeff Bezos, you know, for all that he is doing, he is not tweeting about shit coins. Guaranteed. I think it's probably where billionaire CEOs belong, you know? Leave that for everyone else. Imagine somebody like Bernard Arnault, who's also top five richest people in the world, owns LVMH, just starts coming out and doing the same. I mean, if he does do it and he does it for Ashcoin, I won't say one word. But besides that, keep it to yourself. <laughs> um, that's crazy that you were in it in 2017, though. So you were, you were pretty early on the whole trend. Oh, crypto? Yeah. Yeah, well, I had an advantage. Um, I, we worked with a guy. We hired a guy at Barcelona called Bitcoin Marty. And all he was there to do was to advise us on our Bitcoin holdings. And um, he's a big, he's a Bitcoin maximalist, as they say. 
So he really pitched me hard and he got me in pretty early. So um, I would have done better with my Bitcoin stuff um, if I had just done what he said. He gave me probably the best advice anyone could have ever gotten, especially 2017. But I didn't do exactly everything he said. I did some of it. And then I thought I was smarter than him on some things. And those were the parts I lost my money on. Mm. That's always the tough part about, you know, I think the market in general, though I am curious what your thoughts are on like the whole GameStop and AMC movements. And Wish like, I was in it, missed it. Wish I was in it. That's all I have to say. But, um, you know, it's funny because historically, and even still now, it's like people, anybody who's putting money into the market thinks that they know the market better than the people who are putting billions of dollars into the market and study it all day, every day. And have teams of 500, you know, yeah studying the deep analytics when something changes in one second, they put, you know, a billion dollars in and completely shift everything. My new favorite narrative that's going on. That's absolutely hundred percent false is that the average investor actually does know more than those guys because you know, the AMC thing, there's been a couple little, um, you know, little Reddit uh, threads that have worked out and people have made some money on and kind of screwed over hedge fund guys. And now the new theory I've seen a lot of people run with this. They thought that this was dumb money, but the truth is, Average investors who know nothing about the market actually are smarter than <laughs> hedge funds and they know more about the markets. I was like, dude, that's not true. And also that's going to come back to from someone who's an idiot, that's going to come back and bite those guys. And I know that for a fact, the, the dumb investors, the retail investors. I do love watching it from the outside though. Like yeah. let's talk about like a clean, healthy war. Like this is this is a good one. Like I'm a fan of everything going on. Dude, pe- normal people will get smoked. It's not Big gonna man. be a war. It's not gonna be close. They got one battle. They they caught hedge fund. They're looking <laughs> the other way. They even know that they're getting sucker punched. Got sucker punched one time. Now that they've got their eyes settled on them, that it's it's over. Retail investors will and always will have, always have, always will, and will continue to be smoked by hedge fund guys. Hundred <laughs> percent too much money and they're smart too they're not that smart maybe but they're smart enough and they got a lot of money that that they do and they don't care and they can also take losses yeah there's a lot of advantages to having money that you just don't have if you're just got your little robin hood account which i don't recommend anyone have because it's it's like um you know from a lot of people one one loss and you're out of the game you don't want to play the game anymore like I mean, I even saw it. I think there was one point with uh, I might have bought back into Doge like much later, but nothing significant. And I tried to sell and I couldn't sell. And I was just like, well, this is no fun. I think it was the same. I had AMC at one point. Um, I think I broke even, but um, I tried to sell and I couldn't sell. And I was like, whoa, like there are no rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. And you guess who that, that, that doesn't happen to? Big guys. Hedge fund guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think I'm already out on investing because I made a lot of money last year during coronavirus. If you were in the stock market last year during coronavirus and you didn't Crazy. make money, you need to stay out of it forever. Because it was <laughs> like, just like going to this, no, right after the crash. The, after you got in after the crash, which is when I put my money in, and you didn't make money, you selected the worst stocks in the history of stocks. Because I think everything up went up. I think the whole market just went like went up like this every day. So I made a money off the stock market. I took the money out. And then now I have to pay my taxes on that money. 
I'm like, you know what, dude, it's not even worth it in the end of the day, dude. Because <laughs> you think I still have that money to pay taxes on? <laughs> That's an ass coin, my friend. That money is an ass coin now. In taxes, I got to figure that out. I got to figure out how I'm going to do that. <laughs> it's not designed for idiots, man. It's, it's no. really, it's a, it's a, financials are a hard game for people with hard minds. And it's just not me. <laughs> no, you make, you make behind the jokes, you make some very valid points, which are, you know, oftentimes a, because of short-term capital gains taxes, which is what most people are taking in these meme stock crypto things, you're getting taxed very hard when you're not losing right so you have to win and then when you win you get taxed super hard most people don't even think about that especially in in the first time and it's true last year shout out to the you know god bless them but the people who tried shorting the market right after the crash last year RIP. Dude, that's the other crazy thing too is like talk about like these big institutions whether the hedge fund like on the other side of it go on the government side the irs how is there not an option when you sell something on Robinhood to pay the tax now? Oh, you have to keep the, hold on to that money uh, for a year and then we'll come get it from you in a year. And we're not going to tell you exactly how much we want of it. You figure out how much we want and give it to us in a year. If they if wanted the money. And if, you're, and if you're wrong, you go to jail. Yeah. If they really <laughs> wanted the money, they would just get it from you immediately. It'd be so easy to put that function in. Would you like to pay your taxes now? Off this uh, capital gains. Yes. Boom. Then you just get your profits. But they don't do you know, It's so easy, but they don't want to do that because they want people to go to jail or more so they want people to pay huge penalties. It's crazy, dude. I mean, it's not crazy. It's just how the world works. But anyone who thinks that yeah. the little guy is going to come out on top, <laughs> I hope you're right. But yeah, me good too. luck. No, but that, it's true. That's how most companies work. Like you get a salary from a company and they take out the taxes and you're done. It's done. You're yeah. set. Yeah. But with all these other things, no, I'm sure it's a little bit more complicated than I'm making it seem. But I, I know it's not complicated enough. They couldn't figure it out. I know that for a fact. Right. No, I do think it would be smart for all these platforms to institute it just to protect people too. It's like, and you yeah. don't have to, but just an option. Hey, do you are you an idiot? Do you know for a fact that if we don't take this money now, that you're gonna spend it and then not have it when we do want it? Okay, take this option. <laughs> dude there should be an idiot option to everything because i am that too 100 percent. where you know it's just like a lot of a lot of stuff just want want it handled like do whatever you got to do peace of mind is more valuable to me than the 100%. money and anything else 1000 percent. yeah dude you know it's funny i think i put something out on linkedin which hey i think you should you would be popping on linkedin it's the, bro great social platform underrated what i was saying was i had put something out that was like it's super important to you know chase the things that money can't buy if you are you know feeling if you if you ever feel like you're not productive or, or you have a little bit of extra time it's always good to put those time those that time into things that money can't buy which are things such as fitness peace of mind real relationships if you were to give you know younger kids or even yourself younger uh, at a younger age a piece of advice, what what would you tell those people? All right, so I thought about this the other day um, because someone asked me, "Is the echo really bad in here?" Well, we have no choice. All right, 
So someone asked me the other day if I was giving like a, a what do they call the graduation speech, a commencement speech, what I would talk about. And I think it's kind of the same thing you're saying. So my answer was this. It's probably not as good as your answer, but this is what I said. I said, the best moments in life that you have to realize when you have them and when to take advantage of them, maybe the best opportunities in life, I have found a lot of times, maybe not 100% of the time, a lot of times come in what I personally call stolen hours. So um, what a stolen hour is to me is like, for example, you're going out with your friends or you're not going out with your friends. You're just going to go grab a beer with your friends. It's a very basic example. And then all of a sudden you're going home and the whole thing's planned and then you feel good about it. And then you, all of a sudden you're a couple beers in and then you're like, let's go over to one more bar. And then all of a sudden you have one more beer, two more beers. And all of a sudden you're operating inside of stolen hours where you had no idea that these hours were coming. And then now you had no expectations for them. You had no idea that was even going to happen. And then all of a sudden you found yourself just in absolute limbo living in the moment because you had no idea that you could even plan for this. Another good example of a stolen hours, you're in class. Say you're still in high school, you're in class. My little brother just graduated high school. He's sitting there and he knows that he should not be sleeping. This, now this also goes for being in a good movie, class or a good movie. Either way, you shouldn't be sleeping, okay? You're sitting there and all of a sudden your eyes start getting a little tired and you kind of feel them doing like this and you're kind of squinting. And all of a sudden, you're all of a sudden you're in a stolen hour, right? And you're just doing it and you're sleeping. It's the best sleep you'll ever have in your entire life. Tell me that your best sleeps weren't in class. It's so pure, you feel so good. It's so it's almost like sexual in a way, it just kind of tempts you, don't do it, don't do it, and then you just kind yeah, of it the criminal nature is really good. Yeah. It's a stolen hour, that's a stolen sleep. So just I would just say my advice out of the little thing you the your question you realize when you're in a stolen hour you can never predict it you can never make it happen but whenever you find yourself in one take advantage of it because those oftentimes in my personal experience have been the best most fun times in my life best sleep of my life best anything of your life is the one where you didn't see it coming and all of a sudden you're in it and then you got to just make it happen while it's there i love that man that's that's a really good answer much better than mine I love it. No, not much better. But to my, I did get a chance to think about that one before us. I would have laid an egg on that one. But I thought about that like last week. Well, I truly feel like this podcast was a stolen hour because we didn't, we didn't know that this was going to happen today. Didn't Mm -hmm. know that it was going to happen now. Mm -hmm. Good point, man. It was really fun. So thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to link all your socials and everything below. So Absolutely appreciate catch, it. catch some of the references that we were talking about. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, no, I, I really appreciate doing this. You're welcome anytime. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, we'll do it another time. We'll run it back on my show, your show in real life. Who knows? Boom. Sounds good, Love man. It. All right, everybody. Bye. See you next time. Peace.